Well, we're going to continue in our teaching series called Holy Spirit Rain. Holy Spirit Rain. And uh, even though the song said R-A-I-N, uh, this is Holy Spirit R-E-I-G-N. I always want to put an H in there, but there's no H in there. Holy Spirit Rain. And the reason that we're going through this teaching series is because I want our body to have a good understanding of the Holy Spirit. And not just a good understanding for understanding's sake. We want to understand the Holy Spirit so that we can be inspired and so that we can be challenged to allow the Holy Spirit to reign and rule in our life. Because there's not one believer who can live the life without the Holy Spirit. And so I think there's three things that usually whenever I'm communicating with a disciple or someone about the Holy Spirit, there's three things that I think are important. One, who He is who the Holy Spirit is. And notice I said he, the Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead, the third person of the Trinity. And we are to have a relationship with him. We talked about that last week. I encourage you to um, take some time, about 30 or 40 minutes, listen to the podcast. You can get caught up with where we're at if you've missed that. But he's a he, and we are to have a uh, relationship with the Holy Spirit. The other thing is baptism, uh, being baptized with the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about that today. And then, of course, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Remember, Paul was telling the Corinthians, uh, he said, don't, as it concerns spiritual gifts, don't be ignorant about those things. I don't want you to be unaware of those things. And so these three things, uh, whenever I talk about the Holy Spirit, I think that they're very important. And there's all kinds of different directions and stuff that you can go to as well. But those are the three things that we're going to focus on in this series, Holy Spirit Reign. And I feel very strongly that we are to uh, give a very clear and practical presentation of this. Because um, if, we're, if we're not able to understand it, if we can't make it practical, then we're not going to be able to live the life that He's called us to live. In fact, I really prefer even to, uh, to have a clear and practical understanding of a lot of things, not just the Holy Spirit and the Word, even more so than a deep theological understanding. It's great to know um, all the types and the shadows and the explanations of all the, the whys and the hows of all that stuff. But I want to be very clear, as clear and practical as I can uh, through this whole series, especially this morning, um, as I share what it means to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And I realize that this topic is, is a very interesting one to talk about because uh, a lot of people have a different, uh, different backgrounds on what that means and different views um, where they come from on that. So it can be a very... Uh, interesting conversation. Um, I think there's camps that may, that may say that uh, being baptized with the Holy Spirit is a farce. That's not real. It's fake. It's something that somebody make, made up. It's not real. The Bible doesn't say anything about it. Um, or at least they may say that uh, um, being baptized with the Holy Spirit, that's the same thing as water baptism. And then you have another camp that's going to say, well, spirit baptism is when someone speaks in tongues. That's when someone begins speaking in tongues. And let me just begin this morning by saying that the baptism, uh, the spirit baptism is not a farce. It's not fake. It is very biblical. It's not the same thing uh, as water baptism. In fact, if you, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Hebrews 6, but in Hebrews 6, and you're welcome to turn there. I'm just going to spend there just a little bit of time there. It says, uh, in verse 1, it says, Leaving the elementary things about the Christ the elementary teachings about the Christ, let us press on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from 
from dead works, faith towards God, instruction about washing. So he's saying there's some elementary teachings, some basic foundational teachings um, that we are to move on from. Not that we dismiss them or we forget them, but that we move on from. If we're moving on to maturity, there's things that we should know, but we shouldn't be hung up on them all the time where we're like, what, what? We should be able to move past those things if we're going to go on to maturity. And he lists seven, uh, six things there. If you look, one is the repentance from dead works. Two is uh, faith toward God. Three is the instruction of washings. Four, the laying on of hands. We talked about that a few weeks ago when all of our uh, overseeing elders were here. Uh, five, the resurrection of the dead. And six, talking about eternal judgment. And it says, and, and we will, this we will do if God permits. In other words, we will go on to maturity if God permits. And I just, let me just say real quick, you can do all kinds of stuff. You can learn all kinds of stuff. But really, it's only the Holy Spirit that allows us to go on to maturity. But he's saying here that there are some things that you need to know, need to know some elementary teachings of Christ. And the third one, if you look there, it says the instructions about washings. Some of your versions may say the, uh, the doctrine of baptisms. And I want you to notice there that that word washings or baptisms is plural. It's because there's more than one baptism. Now, uh, I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, uh, but I do believe that the Scripture points to three baptisms. The first baptism is the baptism that we receive at salvation. If you look at 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and I'm going to blow through this stuff right here, um, but you can write the stuff down, you can write the Scriptures down. 1 Corinthians 13 says that by one Spirit we were all baptized into the body. And it goes on to say, and we were made to drink of the one spirit. In other words, when we repent and when we believe, when we get saved, we, um, um, uh, sorry, I just had a, a, a brain thing. My brain went to another, do y'all ever do that? It's like, you know, and you know what did it? I'll just be honest, completely honest with you. There was this hunger pain that went, and I was like. That wasn't the spirit. That was definitely the flesh. Anyway, uh, when, we repent, uh, when we repent and we believe, when we are saved, the Holy Spirit baptizes us into the body of Christ. Now my body becomes a temple of the Holy Spirit. Christ, by way of the Holy Spirit, begins to dwell inside of me. That's the first baptism. The second one we're most familiar with, that's water baptism. If you look, uh, remember in Matthew 28... Jesus is talking about how we're to go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There it is again. I'm just kind of hungry. You know what I mean? I don't know. I should have ate more this morning. Um, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. After we get saved, we are obedient to Christ to be water baptized. And when we do, what we're doing is we're publicly identifying ourselves as Christ followers. I am now a Christ follower. I'm dying to myself. I'm being buried, I'm burying in the flesh, and I'm being raised a new person, a new creation in Jesus' life. I am raised in the likeness of Christ. I am a new creation. I'm brand new. Now, I tell you, if you haven't been water baptized, I want to encourage you to do that. If you've been a believer, uh, you need to be water baptized. Why? Because you won't get to heaven? No, 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 no. You don't find that one in Scripture. But it's just very important. It's something that we do in obedience to following Christ. And the third baptism is the spirit baptism. And this is one that is ignored or um, 
um, maybe not talked about as much in the church, but there's a third baptism according to Scripture, and it's called spirit baptism, being baptized with the Holy Spirit. If you look at Matthew 3.11, and you can turn there. We might come back there later. But Matthew 3.11 says, As for me, I baptize you with water for repentance. And this is John the Baptist talking. He said, But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, and I am not fit to remove his sandals. And then he says, He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So if you look at 1 Corinthians 12, 13, it says that at salvation, the Holy Spirit baptizes us into the body of Christ. And then here in Matthew 3, 11, it says that subsequent to salvation or after salvation, at some point, Jesus baptizes us with the Holy Spirit. Now, Again, I know I blew through that. If you want a, a deeper theological understanding of that, I would, I would encourage you. Uh, two years ago, we were going through the book of Acts, and uh, I think it's week six and seven. I talked two weeks on the doctrine of baptism. You're welcome to go back and listen to that. Um, now, as it relates to uh, spirit baptism being when you start speaking in tongues, uh, let me just say this. To have that mindset is really to miss the point. There are certain gifts that will manifest, that will show themselves whenever we're spirit-baptized, when we are baptized with the Holy Spirit. But that's not, that's not the point, and it's not the proof of being filled with the Spirit. And we're going to spend five weeks talking about the nine manifestation gifts because they are important. They're important uh, to the building up of the saints, building up the, of the body of Christ. This morning I want to talk to you about the greater point and the greater proof of being baptized with the Spirit. And it really starts with, with understanding what the word baptism means. Just baptized with the Holy Spirit. Well, what does baptized mean? And that word baptized means to dip. It means to plunge. It means to completely cover. It speaks of total immersion. Completely covered, not uh, not sprinkled, not doused, not spit upon, not, you know, whatever. To be completely immersed. And the best example of what baptism is or, or would be is in the dyeing of a garment. A garment of one color is baptized into the dye of another color. And that garment has to be completely immersed, completely submerged into that new color in order for, the, for it to be totally changed. Now get that picture. You know, you have a, you have a, a, a brown garment or a white garment or, or green garment or whatever. And for it to experience total change, it has to not be halfway dipped, not three-quarters dipped, but 100% dipped in order for it to be totally, completely changed. Now it doesn't take a rocket science to know that as we read the Word of God, this is what Jesus wants for us. He wants us to be completely transformed. Not halfway, not part of the way, completely into His likeness, that we would become imitators of Christ, that we would be imitators of Him. And the Holy Spirit is literally the agent that Jesus uses to bring about that transformation. We are to be completely dyed by the Holy Spirit. Nothing left untouched by Him. Now, as I say that, I want to share my testimony briefly uh, of being baptized with the Holy Spirit. I got saved, and I'll try to do this quickly. I got saved when I was 19. 
Uh, I got saved at a Dallas Home concert. Some of you know who that is. Uh, he's actually some friends of ours. We went to high school with his daughter, and, um, and I didn't know the Lord, and we ended up at one of his concerts, uh, probably to support or whatever, but I'm sure everybody was like, no, here's why you're going to be here. <laughs> you're going to get saved. Well, I did. I came to the altar, and I gave my life to the Lord, and I tell you what, I knew something happened. I knew that I was far off, and all of a sudden, I'm no longer far off. I am brought near. And I understand now, I didn't quite at the time, but I understand I've been brought near by the blood of the Lamb. He has taken me from far off and put me near. Positionally, I was, gone, I was far away, but now I am close to Christ. I was saved. I was born again. And we left, and, and there were some things that changed in my life, but it went on a year of a lot of things in my life, just not, not, not just not changing, in some ways regressing. I was a born-again believer, still practicing some of the deeds of darkness, still practicing some of my past and, and hanging on to some things. And it's just like, you know, that, you know when you're in that state, you're just like, what is going on? What is going on? I want to change. I want to change. And I remember it was actually at another Dallas Home concert. Uh, this time, one of his trailers had, um, had blew a tire or something, and, and he called Melissa and I. He said, could you go pick up another trailer and pull that down, uh, bring it down here to us? I think they were in Houston or somewhere and uh, pull it down to us so we can get our equipment to the next concert, and you guys could just stay with us the rest of the tour. It's like, oh, cool. I'm going on tour, you know what I mean? And so <laughs> I, I, I was a musician, or I guess I still am, and so I, that was exciting to me. So we're here. We're at another one of his concerts, and, uh, and he's, you know, giving his spill. What I'd already been saved, so I wasn't going to come to the aisle again, but there was something stirring in me, and it already had been. And I remember um, looking at his product table, and there's one of his books. It's called This Is My Story. Uh, maybe this is my story, this is my song. Um, and I remember uh, he let me, maybe even gave it to me. I, I took it, and we were on the bus, and we were traveling all night to the next place where we were gonna, uh, he was going to play. And I remember opening that book and just reading. And it was like Dallas's testimony was so similar to mine. And, and just the process of, of the Lord working out the sin stuff and all the issues. This was his story, and it was so similar to mine that I was just like broken. So everybody else is asleep except for the driver. Thank goodness, you know. And so I'm, so I'm um, reading this book, and I'm just kind of weeping. And I'm just like, whoa, this is just like me, just like me. And you know what? I didn't have, I was just saved barely a year. I didn't have any eloquent words. I didn't even know any doctrine. I didn't have some deep theological understanding of anything. All I knew is that, you know what? I'm just ready for him to have all of me. All of me. And I just prayed a simple prayer. Lord, take all of me. Every bit of me. Nothing left untouched by you. And I didn't speak in tongues in that moment. I didn't float around the bus. I didn't prophesy. But you know, I wept before the Lord. And I smiled. And I was happy. And, I, and you know, a multitude of other emotions inside of me. And I look back and you know what? As I begin hearing teachings and getting into ministry and all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, that was the day I was baptized with the Holy Spirit. Because from that point on, and I even told the Lord, Lord, I don't know what you want for my life. At that time, I was still kind of in college, more dropping out than I was attending. You know what I mean? Didn't know what I wanted to do. But I said, Lord, if you wanted to use me in ministry, if you wanted to use me to communicate the gospel like Dallas did, this is his story. If this is part of what you want for my story, I'm okay with that. I gave him everything, everything. And so it's, it's hard for me not to say that to be baptized with the Holy Spirit is to let him saturate every part of your life. To be plunged 
to be died, to be completely changed, totally changed by the Holy Spirit. And when we do that, we're, not, we're no longer just living. Now we're living the life. We're living the life that he's called us to live. We're living that abundant life, that life to the full, filled with the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you, if you haven't experienced any of that life, it is a much better life. A life filled with the Holy Spirit, a life where he is saturating every part of you is a much better life. Does that mean that all my sin uh, changed perfectly right then? No. But I began a journey of actually it being able to be accomplished in my life. Now, I want to play off, off this word die real quick, that, we're, that we are died into the Holy Spirit. And uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Romans 8, but Romans 8 is, a, is just a great, great chapter of Scripture. But it says, If by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Now, you've got to catch that. You will live. He's not talking about just life. He's talking about living a life that's worthy of the calling that we have received in Christ Jesus. If by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body. In other words, the deeds of the flesh. Now last week I spoke a lot of wonderful things about uh, who the Holy Spirit is to us and things that the Holy Spirit does for us. And I want to add to that list this week the Holy Spirit's job to help us Die to the flesh. You can write that somewhere. Die to the flesh. And this isn't a popular message in our culture because we're a culture that's driven by flesh. People make money off our flesh. The industries increase and grow and the, the wealth of this country is based upon our lusts of the flesh. We don't like to hear it, but it's the truth. We are being um, scammed <laughs> if, you, if you think about it. We're just being scammed because we're playing off of our lust. He says, if by the Spirit you're putting to death the deeds of the body. So the Holy Spirit's job, part of His job, among many things, and I talked about a lot of them last week, is to help us die to the flesh. And this is a, this is a large part of what Jesus had in mind. I want you to turn real quick to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. This is when Jesus said, um, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You guys remember when he said that? And he says, and you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem, to Gia, to Samaria, all the outermost parts of the world. But he says, you will receive power to be my witnesses. And I think a lot of us, we take that uh, in the churches, we communicate that in such a dumbed down um, form that that we think that just means that he's given us the power, uh, the boldness and the courage to go hand out, you know, tracts to go hand out free water bottles. And, and listen, I'm not downing those things because they, those things are all important. To go and witness on the streets and to go and hand out tracts and all that stuff, it's fine. It has its place. But that is not necessarily what he's saying. I want you to, if you have your pen and paper, I want you to start writing some things down. I want you first to underline the word witness there in your Bible. I don't know if you like to mark in your Bible, but I want you to underline the word witness. And I want you to draw a line from that word witness somewhere out into your margin. And I want you to write this. M-A-R-T-U-S, because that's the Greek word. And it's the word that we get martyr from. So it's almost like he's reading, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my martyr. In fact, if you, if you look it up, the, the implication is that of, of the witness of a martyr here is that those who after his example 
have proved the strength and the genuineness of their faith in Christ by undergoing a violent death. Now hear me close. Most of us in this room are not going to die a violent death for Jesus. Most of us are probably not going to die a martyr's death, a violent death for Christ. I I get that. But that's not necessarily all that he's talking about. I think one of the main things he's trying to get us to understand is that we will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us and he's going to empower us, hear me close, to violently put the flesh to death. Part of being filled with the Holy Spirit, part of being baptized in the Holy Spirit, part of the proof, part of the um, purpose, the point, is that we, by the power of the Holy Spirit, violently put to death the deeds of the flesh. In fact, is there any other way to deal with our flesh than violently? Is there any other mindset to approach the sin in our life, the flesh, the things that, that, that hold us down and bind us up. Is there any way, other way to address it than violently? No way. Why? More of Romans 8. In, ver- in verse 6 it says that the mind set on the flesh is death. And death in Scripture, it always talks about separation from God. Mindset on the flesh is to be separate from God. It's like a state of perishment. We talked about that in the last series we were in. A state of ruin, a state of loss. A mindset on the flesh is just losing all the time. But look, it goes on to say that a mind set on the spirit is life and peace. The exact opposite. In other words, closeness to the Lord. Abundant life, life to the full. And then if you look over in, in verse 8, just a couple more verses down, it says that those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Those who are in the flesh cannot fle- please God. To me, that is enough reason to violently <laughs> address the flesh in my life. If the flesh, if operating in the flesh and letting it rule and reign rather than the Holy Spirit causes my Lord to not be pleased with me, then that's enough motivation for me to go postal on my flesh. You hear what I'm saying? Believers have lost the priority of pleasing God. And so what happens is that the flesh just continually goes unchecked. The American church is filled with people who allow our flesh to go unchecked day after day after day after day. And Scripture says that that those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And I was thinking, too, about the two areas where flesh will manifest itself, in other words, show itself. The the two places in our lives where flesh will show itself, and it's in our actions and our attitudes. That kind of covers everything else. Everything kind of falls into those two things. It's going to be in our actions or our attitudes. You know, the actions being the work of our hands, the things that we do, the things that my body does. You know, and we can go through the list of stuff that our bodies can do and, and be a part of. That's, that's wrong. It's fleshly. It's, it's pleasing ourselves rather than pleasing God. Our actions. It makes me think of Paul, and this is probably my favorite uh, scripture to combine with this thought. But it's when Paul, in 1 Corinthians nine twenty seven he talks about um, buffeting his body. And I'm going to read you from the, the Amplified Version because I love the way it says it. But it says, Paul says, 
like a boxer, which is already intense, especially if you've ever taken boxing. But like a boxer, I buffet my body. And then in the, in the Amplified, it gives this little outline here of what that means. I handle it roughly. I buffet my body. I handle it roughly, discipline it by hardships, and subdue it for fear that after proclaiming to others the gospels, the gospel and things pertaining to it, that I myself should be unfit. Some of your versions say, I will be unqualified to not stand the test, to not be approved, to, uh, and to be rejected as a counterfeit. In other words, unpleasing, not just to man, but to God. And I love that imagery right there. But I, like a boxer, buffet my body. I handle it roughly. I violently address the deeds of the flesh in my life. Why? Because I don't want to be displeasing to my Lord. I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but there are areas in our life that are just fleshly. It's just about us, what we want. And we know that these things are unbiblical things that the Lord would rather us not do. It speaks uh, very clearly in God's word to not be a part of that. But we so are satisfied and, and, and are fulfilled by those things that we just, we just kind of say, you know what? Pleasing the Lord isn't priority. Priority is pleasing myself. And listen, that just puts us in a whole other category of, of believers. We're believers that are really just living, but we're not living the life that he's called us to live. The other area is our attitudes. And the thing about attitudes is that takes it to a place that's deeper than just what our hands and our body and our flesh do, because it goes down into the motivations of our heart, our attitudes, what I'm thinking about, what I'm pondering on, um, uh, my motivations, you know, in, in Psalm 19, it talks, David says, the words of my mouth, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you. And it's almost like he, he's, he's praying earlier, you know, just a couple sentences before that. He says, um, keep your servant from sin. He talks about wanting to be righteous and wanting to be clean. And then he says, may the words of my mouth be pleasing to you. And it's almost like he's like, wait, no, 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 no. He needs to go deeper than that. May the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you. Not just the words in my mouth or, or the actions, things that my flesh, my tongue, my, my body can do, but even the motivations, the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord. And that's the one that we really don't address. I can remember when I got that year before, um, I really just surrendered my life to the Holy Spirit and just, uh, was, just let him baptize me with, with, uh, with the fire of the Spirit. There was just, uh, uh, I had addressed a lot of Stuff like I wasn't cussing, and I never really smoked or drank or anything like that. Um, but in some of the just some of the things I was doing, I was kind of addressing those things. But the deep things that were bringing turmoil to my heart were the med- meditations in my heart, the things that were deeper, the things that caused anger in my life, the things that called me to react physically in the flesh, because they came from different attitudes that were in the flesh, things that were deeper down. May the words of my mouth. May the meditations of my heart be pleasing. So get that picture, you guys, of, of the Holy Spirit. We are, we are like a garment, you know? And it says that, um, that Jesus baptizes us. He completely, and it's not, I love because part of the definitions of that isn't just dip. Like, oh, it's going to be a good day. You know what I mean? It's like plunge. Remember that? Just look at the, as it relates to that violent, uh, violent, death of our flesh. He plunges us in there. 
Because what we want to do is like, no, not all of me. Let this part hang out. Let just the finger, because I just want to have a little bit of myself, a little bit of my pleasures. I want to have a little bit of my life still left. But the Holy Spirit is like, that's not the way I work. If you want to just live, then don't surrender your whole life. But if you want to live a life worthy of the calling that you've received in Christ Jesus, then all of you has to come under the influence of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. Notice he said, I will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Fire in Scripture uh, is a purifying agent. You know, part of the work of the Spirit of the Lord isn't just that we can uh, prophesy and, and, and speak in tongues and heal people. Those things are absolutely important. But we also know that Paul said, you can do all those things and have not love, and it's just like a symbol that just clangs. In other words, it's not pleasing to the Lord. So the priority is what? Us, um, even Galatians 5, the fruits of the Spirit, those things to reign and rule in our life, those address, those fruits, those uh, fruits address really the, ad- uh, the actions and the attitudes. Our flesh, love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Self-control to what? To buffet my body, to make it my slave, to make it come under submission to the Holy Spirit, to violently address my flesh to be plunged. And like I said, there's all kinds of directions that you can go when talking about being baptized with the Holy Spirit. And I've heard a million. The one thing that I rarely hear, rarely hear, is that flesh is supposed to die. We focus on all these fun things, like the gifts power. I handed out 10 tracks. That's great. But what about addressing the deeds of darkness in our life? This is the idea of what it means to be baptized, that we're we're completely changed. Now listen, that doesn't mean everything is going to completely change right away. It's starting a process. The other uh, yesterday, I was washing our, our one of our cars, and um, I got the bucket. We have a bucket that we use to wash the car, and uh, and in that bucket were the same rags that I used from last time. And you know, when you have rags that are sitting out for a couple of weeks in the scorching sun, they're just like hard. You know what I mean? And they're all bunched up and just hard. And so I pick it up, and you know, you could throw it at somebody, and it'd probably you know hurt them. You know, and so I filled the bucket up with water, and uh, and I put the. Uh, I was actually thinking about this message and, and I, I dipped it in slowly and it slowly started to relax and be what it's supposed to be. But it, it wasn't until it was completely under that the whole rag was what it needed to be. And guess what? That's a process. It's a process. Not that the Holy Spirit doesn't do his work completely right then, but it's a process of change. Does that, does that make sense? And I was just thinking about that as I was washing my car. And there's actually three rags in there, so I did it three times. <laughs> oh, got to make sure. Yep, that one too. Okay, third time's a charm. Sure enough, it's a process. Sanctification, it is a process. And so, uh, how, do, how do we get baptized with the Holy Spirit? And there's a lot of debate, a lot of this, a lot of that, and what, where you got to be, what you got to do, what you got to say, what you, you know. Listen, Scripture makes it very simple. Ask. Ask. In the second chapter of Acts, when the Holy Spirit had come and tongues of fire came upon the apostles and they started preaching the 
the gospel boldly. Peter gets up and gives his speech, and it's this powerful, Holy Spirit-filled speech, just as good as anything Jesus would have ever said, because the same Spirit was delivering the message, amen? And the people, it says that they were pierced to the heart. In other words, they all of a sudden had an acute awareness of their need for something different, something more. And they asked, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, well, I'm glad you asked. He said, repent, each of you be baptized. And then he says, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. In fact, you can see the three baptisms right there. They just ask, what do we do? And I love it because Jesus' own words, he echoes this truth. He says, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Some of you are at a place where you're asking that question. Is this all there is? What else? What do I do? Where do I go from here? I've been a believer for 10 years, and it's the same stuff, same stuff, same sin, same struggle, same uh, falling in the flesh, same this. See, you need the Holy Spirit. You need Jesus to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. You need to, maybe you've, uh, you need to give all of yourself. You've been holding back, just like I did that first year of being saved. I was holding back. Still trying to do things my way, go my way. You need to ask the Holy Spirit, fill me up, overflowing, plunge me, plunge me into that dye of the Holy Spirit. Filthy rags for righteousness, Lord. Filthy rags for righteousness. Amen? And some of you may be saying, you know what? I hear what you're saying, but I've asked. I've asked and I've asked. And I thought about this, and my wife and I were talking about this. But have you been quiet and have you been still and have you waited? Because that was the key element for the apostles up in that upper room. They waited. They were told, do not leave Jerusalem until you have been endued with power. But the gift my Father has promised you until the Holy Spirit comes. Don't leave. And they didn't. They quieted themselves. They still themselves. They allow themselves. It's almost like we're... We're running around with a cup, a mug in our hand, and we're like, fill me up, Lord, fill me. Hold on, I got something I got to go do. I got Fill me up, Lord, and our cup was not still long enough for the... You hear what I'm saying? Yeah. Be still, be quiet, let him fill you up. That's my first question. You've asked, but have you been still long enough for him to really do a mighty work in you? And the other thing is, is are you allowing him to do it daily? Because it talks about being continually filled be daily filled, a continual work of the Holy Spirit. A lot of us want some experience that we can say, yeah, it happened then. And then really we just want the Lord to move us around like puppets. And okay, I'm, I'm doing what he says now because I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. Listen, this is a daily conscious decision to allow the Holy Spirit to reign in our lives. It just is. Surrendering your life to him. Let's stand.